12 and verse 22. Proverbs 12 and verse 22. And today we're looking at speaking the truth, um, how to speak the truth. And next week, because we'll be right in the midst of the Commonwealth Games next week, people going down to the Commonwealth Games from here? Yeah, a few of you, great. Um, we're going to be looking at uh, self-discipline, uh, the wisdom of Proverbs talking about self-discipline for next week. So we'll be making a bit of a Commonwealth Games theme next week as you come. But Proverbs 22, speaking the truth, we're looking at. And this is what it says in the New Living Translation. The Lord hates those who don't keep their word, but he delights in those who do. God wants us to be people who speak the truth. And as we look through Proverbs and see what the whole Bible says about speaking the truth this morning, we uh, trust and pray that God would grip our hearts about living lives that always speak the truth. Let's continue Let's, uh, to worship God as we pray together this morning. God, we worship you. We love you. We, we come before you, your people, and we know that your heart loves us so much. You've demonstrated that by sending your son to die on the cross for us. And God, you long that we would live lives that always speak the truth rather than lies, that we are honest in the way that we talk to people. God, that we are truthful when there are things that are difficult to say but need to be said. God, we thank you for this community. We thank you for uh, the love and the sense that you are our Lord and together we're seeking to live our lives for you. God, we pray that this morning you would speak to us and that you would challenge us. We love being your children, God, and we love opening your word and hearing you speak to us. God, we want to pray this morning for Shane and Nairi. As a church, we continue to cry out to you, God, for them. God, we thank you for the sense they have that you have been with them every step of the way. God, we thank you for the great faith that they have shown in you. God, we know you're able to do anything. And this morning we come and we pray, God. God, would you do a miracle in this situation? God, we pray that you would heal Shane and uh, Nairi. Together you would, you would surround this family and that you would heal Nairi that you would uh, take away this tumour. God, we, we look to you, Father, and ask for this, knowing that you can do anything, God. And we would pray that you would do that in this time. God, this morning we know there are people here who have so many different hurts and, and some have, have all different kinds of sicknesses. God, some of us continue to have um, wounds which just stop us from growing more and more like you. At these times, in these moments, God, we just ask you to touch our lives. God, would you heal us where that be your will? God, would you remind us of your love when we tend to doubt it? God, you, would you surround us with your comfort and a sense of your presence for times when we're afraid? Oh God, it's good to be your children and to be under your care and love, to be surrounded by your comfort, your wings. God, it's great to worship you.
And we thank you that you hear our prayers. We thank you that you're here with us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we've been, uh, we're going to be looking this morning at telling the truth and speaking the truth. And last night, Alan Meyer, while he was here, he said, look, I'll find a way to get Barry to you, no matter what, even with all the different services. And he's spoken the truth. He's honoured his word. And Barry is here. So uh, this is the most, um, this is like the Wodonga Aubrey tour this morning, isn't it? And we're pleased he's here. <laughs> Let's give him a big round of applause. Great, Barry. He'll be back at 11 and uh, you can get CDs after. Why don't we pray though, this yes. time? <laughs> Thank you, Barry. Let's pray, shall we? Oh, God, help us believe those words that you speak to us. You created us. You knit us together in a mother's womb. We're made in your image, God. You have come to earth. You've died. You've risen again. And today you look down on your people and you say, your beauty, you're beautiful. You're my children. You're pure. You're blameless. You're holy. You're righteous. Oh God, we're so thankful for what you've done for us. We could never have done this on our own. You look at us and you see Jesus. You see us restored in you, in your image, as you intended us to be. Thank you, God. God, as we open your word now, would you grip us and challenge us? Would you speak to us and comfort us? God, would you, through your word, lead us to become more and more like you? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You don't have to look too uh, far today in the world to know that there are lies and deceit all around. I mean, you open a paper any day and it seems that there's somebody who said that they were going to do something, some uh, company, some organisation that promised that they would act in a certain way or that they didn't do something they're being accused of. And they vehemently deny the allegations. Wow, look at that. <laughs> God's going to do something, I know. <laughs> but they vehemently deny um, the, the allegations being levelled against them. And only a few days later, you'll look in the paper and say, see them admitting that they were actually telling a lie. Whether it's companies or whether it's uh, bodies or groups, politicians, uh, whatever it is, uh, you don't have to look too far to see untruth around us. 
But it's not just people that we know from afar. We're in our own lives. Uh, I'm sure that you have been hurt by close friends and loved ones, people that we really cared for and people that we know cared for us who have hurt us with their lies, who have lied to us. And we would even remember times when we have lied as well. There's a cartoon that had two clean-shaven prisoners who sat next to each other in their cells and one looked at the other and he said, all along I thought our level of corruption was well within community standards. (laughs) Sometimes we kind of can just come to a point where we think that, well, everybody lies. It's not such a big deal to to tell lies. But, you know, lying can be so destroying, so destructive. And that's why God hates lies. In one of his books, uh, Brennan Manning quite courageously admitted that 25 years ago, he had a drinking problem. So he voluntarily entered a a treatment program. It was kind of like a 28-day treatment program, like an Alcoholics Anonymous. And one of the things they had to do early on in this treatment program was that they had to sit in a circle with the leader and tell the truth to themselves and to the other people who were in the group about the extent of their drinking problem. So they all went round the circle and they all told the truth except for one business guy named Max. And when it came time for him to reveal the extent of his drinking, he said, well, I never really drank that much. They said, Max, you're an alcoholic. You're in an alcoholic treatment centre for a month. You weren't sipping Cokes, they kind of said. Tell us the truth. Tell the truth to yourself. Admit it. He said, I'm being honest with you. I never really drank all that much. The people in the group had all signed affidavits and statutory declarations to enable people to actually get information about them. And Max had signed one of those too. And they could glean information any way they wanted in order to ensure that they were telling the truth. So they had a speakerphone put right in the middle of the group so everyone could hear the conversation. And uh, they, they called. They said, we're going to call someone. We're going to call the bartender close to your office and we'll just we'll find out whether you're telling the truth. So they called the bartender and the uh, leader said to the person on the phone, do you know Max, you know, so-and-so? And the guy said, oh, I know him like a brother. He stops in every day after work. He has a minimum of six martinis. He said, man, this guy drinks like a fish. He's the best customer we have. He's a prolific consumer of alcohol. And the rest of the group all looked at Max while he was saying these words. And now there came a moment of truth. And Max tells the truth to himself. And he says, yes, I've I've had a lot to drink. Okay, you've passed that hurdle, Max. Uh, A little later on in the group, uh, they asked everyone, have you ever hurt anybody? Have you ever hurt anybody, a friend, a family member, while you were drunk? That's a pretty tough question to ask, isn't it? So they go around and some people say yes, and they described it. And other people said no, and they tried to get the truth. 
And if that was the truth, that was the truth. And they went all the way around to Max. And Max says, I would never, ever hurt anybody. Not when I'm sober, not when I'm drunk. I have four lovely children and I'd never hurt my wife. I'd never hurt my kids. And the leader said, you know what, Max? We don't believe you. We're going to call your wife. And so they called Max's wife. And as soon as Max, and Max hears his wife start talking on the speakerphone, Max starts to begin breathing heavily. He knows something's coming that he's going to have to face, that he's been unwilling to face. The leader says, Mrs. So-and-so, has Max ever mistreated you or anyone in the family when he was drunk? And she says, well, yes, he has. It happened just last Christmas Eve. He took our nine-year-old daughter uh, shopping on Christmas Eve. He bought her a new pair of shoes. He's a generous man. On the way home, our little girl was sitting in the front seat enjoying her new shoes. And Max passes by the bar and sees some cars uh, there of his friends. He pulls in. It was cold. It was snowing. Wintry day. And uh, there was a high wind chill as well. And he makes sure all the windows are rolled up very snugly and he leaves the car running so that the heat is blowing. And he says to our nine-year-old daughter, I'll be right back. You just play with your shoes. I'll be right back. He goes in the bar, starts drinking with his buddies. He doesn't come out of the bar until midnight. In that time, the vehicle has shut off. The windows have become all frosted over and it locked up so tight that she couldn't get herself out of the car. So when the authorities opened up the car, they rushed her to the hospital and she was so badly frostbitten that her thumb and forefinger had to be amputated and her ears were so damaged by the cold that she's deaf for the rest of her life. The wife describes all this to the group and Max falls off his chair and starts convulsing on the ground. He just couldn't bear telling himself the truth about what he'd done. He couldn't face it. He wasn't going to live for the rest of his life. He he, he was just going to live that way for the rest of his life and just live in the fantasy world of pretending that he hadn't done what he had done. And I'm sure that it's the same for us. Not, maybe not so dramatically, but in many ways, if we were to be honest with ourselves, many of us have been living in lives that have elements that are fantasy. And where we lie to ourselves that we haven't really been distorting the truth that much. Or about this or that, that it doesn't really matter that we might just be telling things a little bit different as they are. But the Bible clearly says that God hates lies. God hates it. You know, Exodus 20 and verse 16, right there in the Ten Commandments, it says, don't testify falsely against your neighbour. Right there in the Ten Commandments, God says, don't lie. Don't lie. In the book of Proverbs, we see God's heart against untruth, heart against lies. He writes, the writer writes, a scoundrel, and a villain is what you could describe someone who lies. 
What words can you describe for someone who has a corrupt mouth, a lying mouth, a scoundrel, or a villain? God hates lies. Hates it so much that the remedy in Proverbs 10.31 that's suggested is to cut out the tongue if you're a liar. If you're lying. Take drastic measures because the damage that can be caused is just incredible. What does lying do? What does it actually uh, do? First of all, lying disrupts our relationship with God. Look at it says in Proverbs 12, 22. The Lord detests lying lips, but he delights in men who are truthful. The Lord detests lying lips, but delights in men who are truthful. Can you see the contrast? Uh, Lies he hates, detests, loathes. Men who are truthful, he delights. He rejoices over. He finds great joy in those who speak the truth. The contrast couldn't be any further from each other in this verse. Lying makes God sick. Why? Because he's holy. There is nothing about God that is false. There is no untruth in him. That's why we can't maintain fellowship with God and keep lying. That's why liars can't have a relationship with God because it's so different. God the holy God and the liar. So lying disrupts our relationship with God. Not only does it do that, but it destroys our relationship with friends and loved ones. Have you ever had a friend lie to you, look you straight in the face and completely tell a lie? You know what it means then? to be hurt deeply through lies. Proverbs 15 and verse 4 says, Gentle words bring life and health, but a deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Do you know what God's on about? Beauty. Just like the song Lily that Barry sang. He looks down at us and he sees us as as beautiful people made in his image with so much hope and potential. Those that are in Christ, he sees us as his own children. And God is about lifting us up and empowering us and bringing us hope and and bringing life to our spirits to, to, to give us life to the full. A deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. No wonder God hates it. And if you have a friend who has lied to you, it will crush your spirit. You know that if you have found that you've been caught lying to another friend, if you've, if you've distorted the truth with other people, you can crush friendships. 
met so many people who have lamented the past. He promised to be faithful to me, a wife says. She promised to stop getting drunk, a husband might say. A child, Dad, you promised you'd come to the game. A brother or sister, I did not steal that from you. Lies are told, relationships crushed, people hurt and wounded deeply. Lying can destroy our relationships. Not only that, lies actually damage us personally. They damage us as people. Um, this is what Proverbs 18 and verse 7 says. The mouths of fools are their ruin. Their lips get them into trouble. If you've ever told lies uh, to get you out of a situation, you can often know the deceit and tangled web that can come from that. And if you're a habitual liar, how horrible life can be. Your reputation, uh, knowing what is truth and what is lie and when to speak it, it just destroys who you are as a person. You go further and further into trouble as your lies keep digging you deeper and deeper into the ground. You live in a world of untruth where you can come to a point where you don't even know who you really are. The complete opposite of what God would have us be. Bare, honest, open before him, confessing who we are before God. What about you? Are you someone who distorts the truth? Maybe you might say just in little ways. And it's not that big a deal. I'll call you later when you never intended to call. Yeah, let's make a time to catch up. You're not even thinking about it. I'll pay you back soon. I can get away with it for long enough. Little truths. They can just keep chipping away at who we are. Well, what should we do? What can we do for us? I think God would want nothing more than right today that you and I would make a commitment to him and commitment to each other and to those we love to actually speak the truth no matter what. To say no matter how small it is, whether I uh, you know, just fabricate what time I arrived to make myself look better, whether I fabricate you know, the numbers of cars that were out in the car park or the number of people that attended the service, whether I, I fabricate the scores that I got just to make me look a little bit better on the exam or just change things slightly, we, that we would say, no, together we're committing to be people who will be truthful and God, with your help, would you help us to speak the truth, to be honest, to not lie. It's a great thing for us to do 
today, isn't it? To actually make that decision this morning, to commit to God and to each other, that we would speak the truth from right now, from right on, from right now on, ask for God's help to stop our tongues from lying. So if we make that decision, if we decide that we want to do that, what are some things that we can focus on together from the book of Proverbs that would would help us to actually stop lying more? And, And Proverbs would cry out for those who fear God, for those who seek wisdom, stop lying. Start speaking the truth. Well, what can we do? <laughs> it's just simple. First point is talk less. Uh, talk less. <laughs> I, I love the idea of this, uh, the writer of the Proverbs. You know, he's just so logical. Just talk less. Uh, don't talk too much, for it fosters sin. Be sensible. And then turn off the flow. <laughs> Some of us are like, ugh, you know, hoses, fire hoses, aren't we, when it comes to talking? And, you know, if we, if we were to average it out and try and do a graph, you know, if we're to have like, uh, say, uh, 500 conversations this week, say if we were to do all of those and out of those we might lie, say, say 10 times on an average of 500 conversations. Imagine what could happen if you halved the number of conversations you had. You'd halve the amount of lying, wouldn't you? It just makes logical sense. And that's what the writer of Proverbs is saying. Instead of lying 10 times this week, halve the amount that you speak, stop talking, and you'll only lie five times. Talk less. I find that is true. If I'm talking all the time, I'm always having a say and wanting to be, you know, explaining things and talking things around. Sometimes you can say more than you should. You can distort things a little bit more. You can, if you're rushing off and not thinking about things and going through and saying things, I think there's a lot of wisdom in that. Talk less. Halve the amount that you're lying by only speaking half the time. The second thing that we could do is really weigh our words. It says in Proverbs 15 and verse 28, the godly think before speaking. The wicked spout evil words. Uh, The godly think before speaking. You know, there should be just kind of a radar in our minds as we're living our lives and thinking, is what I'm about to say completely, 100% truthful in every circumstance? And before we even put those thoughts into words, what the writer of Proverbs is is saying is think about it before you just speak it. Don't just blurt out like a fire hose and just say things that you're going to regret. Think about it. You know, I I believe, I'm, I'm told that on Things like ABC Radio, we'll have to check out with Jonathan later on, right? But on radio or on uh, the TV, that there's a, sometimes a three-second kind of delay. So if someone says something terrible, they can sort of take it out quickly within that time and, and do that. I'm not sure whether that's true, but boy, wouldn't it be good if it was true for us? You know, like, 
we had these kind of installed with a three-second delay button where we could say, oh, let's take that word back. But we don't have those. So weigh your words carefully. Weigh your words before you speak. Be careful about the things that you say. So talk less. Weigh your words. And speak the truth, even if it might disturb the peace. Up to this point, we've been looking at the fact that you just speak truth, not lies. So we've been talking about not lying. But an important element of speaking the truth is actually telling the truth. Actually saying truthful things to people that others might not. Um, I can remember so many times in growing up in my church uh, where people just displayed uh, really ungodly behaviour, but no one ever talked about it. Because no one wanted to disturb the peace. You know, I think when I was growing up in my church, they had kind of a a motto that said, godliness is the same as peacefulness, you know, and don't ruffle anybody's feathers. You know, don't, don't, let's walk on eggshells sometimes. All the time. Well, not all the time. But I can look back and, and reflect and remember people who were just constantly saying things that were unhelpful and nasty and no one ever saying, did you realise that's not a nice thing to say? Did you realise that this is not how we should be speaking? I can I'll never forget the time my mum walked in and was unable to go to someone's anniversary and the lady just ripped through my mum right there Sunday morning and my mum who hardly ever cries, just burst into tears. And I was only uh, 17, 18, just got my licence. And I remember my little heart thinking, this is not right. This is not right. But this lady is so much older than me and I'm so young, but I knew that verse about that you shouldn't be having uh, disputes you know, from 1 Corinthians and lawsuits among you. And I knew there must be something that means you shouldn't be arguing and just ripping people apart in church. And so I wrote a letter. (laughs) And I went to her house and I knocked on the door and I sat down with her and said, look, I just don't know, but you really hurt my mum. And I just don't think that's really right. Could you explain why you think it might be right? Could you speak about that? Could could we talk about it? And I spent about an hour (laughs) and didn't get anywhere. I really tried to do it in a loving way. But as I left, I kind of said, well, God, I've sought to speak the truth in love. And I can't be responsible for the response if I've done it in a loving way. This is what the writer of Proverbs says when he says, you know, don't let kindness and truth leave you. You know, uh, bind them around your neck and write them on the tablet of your heart. 
you know, almost have to remind yourself, like putting it around your neck and writing it there, that we need to be truthful, even when we don't feel like being truthful. Because I don't know if you're like me, but keeping the peace is, seems much more uh, better, doesn't it? I mean, I much prefer to uh, say nothing and just smile and, and pretend everything's okay and, and not cause any disturbance. But speaking the truth, uh, it's almost like we need to put it around our necks. You know, like the, the wedding ring that we have that reminds us time and time again when we look at it that we're married. Put a, a necklace almost that reminds us to be truthful even when we think it might hurt people or when they might not want to hear them, hear it. You might think of situations like that. Perhaps for you, there are people that are right next to you at work every day that don't even know about the most important truth that you have, that God loves them and that God sent his son to die for them. That he's alive now and that they can have a relationship with him if they'll just come to know him, turn from their sins and put their trust in him. And you may have been sitting next to that person for three months, four months, and they know all about your life, but they don't know about the most important truth that has ever happened. And you can identify and say, oh, the reason I'm not speaking the truth is that I might actually disturb the peace here. What if they say, you're mad thinking about that. Yeah. Who on earth are you to tell me what, I, what you believe? And sometimes in our hearts we think, oh, imagine if the peace got disturbed. And we forget how important the truth is and how much God hates the truth being unsaid. Maybe there are people that need to know the truth. And maybe you could do that in a loving way. Maybe you've seen friends that are in destructive patterns of addiction. And God might just be wanting you to be the one that might help them by lovingly pointing out some of the destructive things that you see happening in their lives. If you love them, don't Tread on eggshells around them. Have the courage to speak the truth in love. Don't let kindness and truth leave you. Bind them around your neck. Uh, Matthew 18.15 is a verse that I speak about often. And it encourages us to not walk on eggshells, but to go directly to the person. Your churches can be just ripped apart by people who don't speak the truth in love, but speak to other people um, who aren't even involved. And gossip can just spread like wildfire through a church. And so Jesus says, if another brother sins against you, if, if somebody sins against you, go privately and point out the fault. Wow, this is ridiculous. If another brother sins against you, well, who's, who's it wrong? They are. And I've got to go privately and point out the fault, but I never did anything wrong. They did. How on earth can they expect me to go and do the... Ever heard that voice before? We often feel that because we've been hurt, they should come to us. But this scripture is saying, 
you go to them. And what do you do? Well, you go privately, not making a public thing about it. Go privately and you go and point out the fault. How should you point that out? Hey, this is what's wrong. I've seen this and this is what's wrong and point your fingers at No, look what it says. If the other person listens and confesses, you have won that person back. You're going to that person with the goal of winning them back. Winning them back, reconciling, getting things right again. That's speaking the truth. That's speaking the truth. If you go privately, point out the fault. I always find it's better to say, you know, this is what I've found. It might not be true. Maybe you didn't mean to say that. Maybe this is, there's been a misunderstanding, but I'm just thinking about it. What do, what do you think? You know, this is how it hurt me. This is how it made me feel. I'm just letting you know that. And if the other person listens and confesses it, you have won that person back. I've got to tell you, I wouldn't be the person that I am today even though I've got so far to go till I am what God wants me to be, if it wasn't for loving people sitting down and saying, Jonathan, there's some truth I need to tell you about you. There's been times when Mandy has had to sit down and say to me things that I wouldn't normally want to hear. There's been times when close friends have sat down and said, you know, I just need to tell you this truth. And because they came in love, and because they came seeking to help me, not to hurt me, I grew. I learnt from that. God might be wanting you to help others grow. And when someone comes to you in this way, listen, because it takes courage to speak the truth in love. It's interesting, isn't it, that when John talks about Jesus, he says, the word became flesh and made his dwelling amongst us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Ephesians 4 says, speak the truth in love. So God calls us to uh, not only stop lying, but to speak the truth in love with grace and with truth. You know, there are some people that are great at speaking the truth. Oh, let me at you. I know what you've got wrong. And they'll spend their whole life just with radars about what everybody else has got wrong, you know. And they never, ever put the mirror back on them. And they're saying, this one does that, this one does that, this one. And they're right up this end of the charts for truth over here. Then there are others that are all just so peaceful and loving and they're all gracious and they never do anything to hurt anyone and they're right up here. You know, you hit them and they say, oh, oh I hope that didn't hurt because you hit me. You know, they're right up the, the grace end. You know what I mean? Well, Jesus came and he had the perfect balance between grace and truth. The question is this morning, where are you? Maybe this morning you need to learn more about grace because you write up the truth in and you've hurt more people if you've spoken the truth than you have helped. Well, come to God afresh and say, God, I realise how much I only have because of what I have because of your grace. Maybe that you're right up the grace end and you need to hear that God wants us to be people who speak the truth. Because walking on eggshells is just not an option for us.
Go directly to the person. Talk to them in love and seek to win them over. What a great God we have who wants us to be people that can come to him honestly and openly and truthfully confessing our sins all the time, every day and saying, God, oh God, uh, this is who I am. This is who I am. Without pretending that we've got it all together. Maybe the call this morning as we commit ourselves to be truth tellers is to begin by committing ourselves to telling the truth to God and saying, God, you know my sin. You know who I am. And I'm going to confess it to you. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to claim the forgiveness that comes only through Jesus Christ alone. And then you'll become a truth teller as well. Why don't we pray this morning as we close. God, we want to thank you that you have not shrinked back from letting us know how much you hate sin, how much you hate untruth. And God, it must grieve you every time we distort the truth just a little bit. God, it must hurt you so much when we distort the truth a lot and tell lies that damage and hurt people. But we want to say this morning, God, we want to be truth tellers. We want to start by telling you the truth. And it could be that just in these moments you want to say to God, God, uh, you know me, search me, try me, see if there is any wicked way in me. Maybe in these quietness times you might just confess your sin to him this morning. Oh God, thank you for your forgiveness through Jesus Christ. This morning, God, we don't stand on our own righteousness, but we come trusting in you, Lord Jesus, because only in you we can find the forgiveness that we need. And God, as we go this morning, we pray that you would help us to lift our heads high, to tell the truth, to be people of integrity that run from lies and distortion and speak the truth in love. We praise you for your word. We go this morning wanting to live in your name. Amen. One of the small-